I've entitled this series of messages, Getting to Know Jesus, Believe and Live. That is John's desire for his readers in the Gospel of John. At the end of the book, he says that he has written this book for that very reason, that people may know who Jesus Christ is, and as a result of knowing who Jesus Christ is, they might believe on him and experience life to the fullest. You know, that's my question for you today. Are you experiencing life to the fullest? You can have life to the fullest if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Those are the words of Jesus. He said that he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus Christ desires for you to experience life more abundantly? Well, that's what Jesus' desire is for us. He doesn't want us to go through life feeling incomplete. He has a desire for our life, and that desire begins with a relationship with Him, us knowing Him as our personal Lord and Savior. So this is the question I want you to consider this morning. Just listen to it and think about it. What do you do when it seems as though the world around you is falling apart? How do you respond as a follower of Jesus Christ when it seems as though the circumstances of life are completely beyond your control. Have you experienced any of that at all this week? I think that many of you would agree with me this week. We've experienced a lot of that. As the coronavirus has swirled around us, hasn't it seemed as though, seemed as though everything was beyond our control? Isn't that what it has seemed like? I shared with you at the beginning of the sermon last week, God never makes any mistakes. I believe that. It was no mistake that we arrived at the text we arrived at last week. We finished up with chapter 13, Jesus Christ's great teaching on love. There is no way that I could have planned that we would be at the end of chapter 13 on the very week that we would have our oneness conference dealing with marriage. I shared with you, I believe marriage hinges on a committed love between two people. And surely Jesus Christ at the end of chapter 13 of the Gospel of John gives us a great definition a love. Last Sunday, we talked about loving Jesus style. That's what we looked at. How can we be a people that loves like Jesus loves? Well, this week, I would say the same is true. I don't believe it's any mistake that we have arrived at this passage of Scripture this week. I think this passage has a lot of application for where we find ourselves at in our world, in our communities today. Now, I will tell you this morning, I want to start by just saying to you a disclaimer. The disclaimer that I would say to you this morning is, 
I am by no means an expert on the coronavirus. For me to even try and answer the questions of where the truth is concerning the virus would be sheer speculation on my part. If you go online and you read a number of different reports that you would see on a news website, you will realize it is all over the page when we read about the coronavirus, is it not? But I do know this. People are anxious. People are worried. People are fearful. So I believe it is no mistake that we arrive at this passage of Scripture where Jesus Christ begins with these words in the first verse of chapter 14. Listen to what it is that Jesus Christ says in this passage. He starts with these words, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning and ask his blessings upon the reading of his word. Father God, we thank you just for your word and the truth of your word and the way it speaks into our hearts. Father, the desire of our heart this morning is to hear from you as we consider this passage of Scripture. If there's anything this week has reminded us of, Lord, it is the fact of how little control we truly have over this world that we live in and our lives in general. Father, I pray that you would just hide me behind the cross and that you would just speak truth through me to your people. I pray that you would give us all open hearts to receive the message that you would desire for us to receive so that when we leave here today, we can say that it has been good to be in the house of the Lord, that we have truly heard from you. We ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen. You know, very rarely do I get to a Saturday, a Saturday afternoon, and sit down and choose to rewrite my sermon. But at 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon, I chose to rewrite a large portion of my sermon. Not because the meaning of this text changed. We all know that the meaning of a text can only mean what it was written to the people of that day and time. However, Based on the circumstances of our life, the application of a passage of Scripture 
can change. Is that not true? Sure it is. And as I thought about all of the events that swirled around this week, I decided that I would change the title of the sermon and would rewrite a portion of it to make application of this passage where we find ourselves at in the world in which we live in this morning. This morning I want to offer to you three assurances that Jesus Christ offered His apostles. This passage of Scripture comes on the heels of chapter 13 of the Gospel of John. Jesus Christ has just announced to His apostles that He is preparing to leave them and that it cannot go where He is planning on going. So Jesus Christ, before He leaves, He wants to offer them some assurances that they can hang on to. This morning I want to offer you three assurances that you can hang on to this morning no matter what it is that we are going through in life. Three simple assurances that are rooted and grounded in the promises of God's Word. I would be willing to say this morning the assurances that I will offer you from this passage of Scripture is nothing new that many of you already know them. But I want you to listen to the words that Jesus Christ offered to His apostles. First, the assurance that we can find comfort no matter our present circumstances. Just for a moment this morning, I want you to stop and I want you to insert yourself into this passage of Scripture. The apostles' lives, their world, has just been rocked. It has been turned upside down by the news that Jesus Christ has announced to them. For three years these men have walked daily with Jesus Christ. They have seen His miracles. They have heard His teachings. They have seen firsthand the relationship between Him and the Father. They have had privileged knowledge of all of this. And in their minds, surely, they believe that Jesus Christ was the long-awaited Messiah. And then all of a sudden, he announces to them that he is going away and they cannot go with them. Can you imagine for a moment how the apostles must have felt at Jesus Christ's announcement? There is no doubt when Jesus Christ looked at this group of men he saw that they were anxious, that they were worried, that they were troubled in their hearts. So Jesus Christ begins by comforting them. He says to them, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus seeks to comfort them in the midst of their turbulent circumstances. This is one of the great promises of God's Word, that our Lord offers comfort in the midst of the turbulent storms of life if we will only look to Him and trust in Him. What will happen with the coronavirus? I don't know. Will there be food in the supermarkets of Lumberton this week? 
I'm not sure. Will the stock market crash this week? Maybe. But I would remind you, we are not called to trust in the things of this world. I'm reminded of this in the words of the psalmist in Psalm 20. This is a verse of Scripture that has brought much comfort to my heart through the years. I want you to listen to the words of the psalmist. He says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Let me ask you a question this morning. Who are you placing your trust in today? Are you trusting in our government to find a solution to our problem? Are you trusting in the medical care that can be offered to us? Are you trusting in our economic system that is in place in America today? Or are you trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ looked at his apostles. He could see the fear in their eyes. He knew that they were worried. He understood that they were anxious in their hearts. And I want you to hear the words of our Master today. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me as well. Those are the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, folks, I don't know how it will all turn out. But I do know if we trust in the Lord, no matter the outcome, He is in control, and that brings comfort to my life. And it will bring comfort to your life as well if we will only look to Jesus Christ in all of the circumstances of life. Jesus Christ assures His followers we can find comfort no matter our present circumstances. Number two, Jesus Christ offers His apostles and He offers us this morning the assurance that our future is secure. Did you hear that earlier when I read this text? That's exactly what Jesus Christ said to the apostles. Go back with me and look at verses 2 and 3 and listen to the words of Jesus Christ. He's just made this great statement to them. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And on the very heels of that comes these words. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also, Jesus Christ offered his apostles assurance that their future is secure. Two different times in this passage of Scripture, in those two verses, Jesus Christ uses the word place. Now, we know when Jesus uses that word, he's referring to heaven. 
the word heaven appears 230 times in the New Testament alone. Would you agree with me when I say this morning that heaven must be an important place if the word heaven appears 230 times in the New Testament alone? Two times Jesus Christ makes a reference to that. Jesus seeks to assure His apostles by letting them know that when He leaves, they will not be forgotten. That He is going to prepare a place for them, and if He makes preparations for them, He'll come back and take them to be there with Him in the future. The Apostle Paul reminds us on two different occasions in the New Testament that this world is not our home. Paul says it this way. He says, we are simply aliens, sojourners here. We are looking to a city whose designer and builder is God. You ever thought about that for a moment? That this world is not your home? Now think about this for a moment. If we really believe that as followers of Jesus Christ, won't that make a difference in how we choose to live our lives here on earth? Can all be well when you're watching your retirement go down the drain? I mean, think about it. Was I the only one that was watching the stock market this week? I see some people smiling and shaking their heads. 20% in a week. Was I the only one sitting in my office thinking to myself, oh my goodness, I will never retire. Am I the only one thinking that? But don't we need to be reminded from the Word of God, this world is not our home. Jesus Christ has said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, one day I will come back and take you to be there with me also. Our, I mean, this world is not our home as followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ wanted to assure His followers that their future is secure. That's what He wanted them to understand. When we read the New Testament, we see that truth over and over again throughout the Word of God. Reminding us of this truth that we do not live here. That we are looking forward to another place. Now before we look at the last assurance that I want to share with you in just a moment. Jesus Christ offers us some important things about heaven in this passage of Scripture. Let me just share with you three things that Jesus Christ teaches us about heaven in His words. Number one, you'll want to write these down. Going to heaven is like going home. Going to heaven is like going home. You know, I'm reminded of the great joy that I find in going home and visiting my parents. For a number of years, I lived away from home. 
I spent four years in the military, and then Robin and I and our children spent almost 13 years involved in cross-cultural ministry living overseas. But I always remembered the great joy in my heart when I would get to go home and see my family. Do you know what I'm talking about this morning? Isn't there a sense of joy when we get to go home and see our families? In this passage of Scripture, the word that Jesus Christ uses here in the Greek for place is the word mone. In the ancient world, what would happen is when a son would marry, he would not leave home. The father would just add another wing to the home and the the son would bring their family to live at home with his father. Heaven is not like traveling to another country where you don't know the language, the culture, the customs, or the people. That's not the truth. Heaven is like going home is what it's like. Number two, heaven is a literal place. Surely there is figurative language used to describe what heaven will look like one day when we get there. But Jesus' reference to place here in this text is a literal place. It's not an immaterial state of being. Heaven is a real place according to what Jesus Christ said. Number three, Jesus is right now preparing a place for you and I. He is already currently working to prepare a place for us. Now, when I make that statement, I'm not meaning that Jesus Christ has like a crew of angels that is working on your house in heaven. That's not what he means. But what he is saying is this, through the work of Jesus Christ in heaven, he is preparing a place for us. Through intercession, being our advocate, keeping to us till that day, Jesus is working right now to prepare a place for you and I. What will happen in the future? I don't know. No one knows what will happen in the future. But I will tell you this, even though we don't know what the future holds, we do know the one who holds the future. Jesus Christ assured his followers they could trust him with their future. And number three, the last assurance that Jesus Christ offers his apostles in this text is the assurance that all who trust in him have salvation. All who choose to trust in Jesus Christ has salvation. There's this interesting dialogue that takes place here in this text. Did you hear it earlier when I read it? At the very end, Jesus Christ makes this statement to his apostles, and you know the way to where I am going. Now, as you can imagine, there were several of those men who were probably curious about exactly what Jesus was speaking about. 
Thomas speaks up and he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Thomas wanted to get some directions on how to find where Jesus Christ was going. So Jesus Christ chooses to answer Thomas in verse 6. Listen to what he says here. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Did you hear what Jesus Christ said to Thomas? It's right there in his statement. Jesus offers Thomas clear directions on how to get there. Did you hear it? Jesus Christ said, I am the way. It is only through Jesus Christ that sinful man can be reconciled to God. He is the way. But can I also say this? There are not many ways to Jesus Christ. There is only, I mean, to God, there is only one way. That is through Jesus Christ. If we didn't understand Jesus' words the first time, you know what he does? He restates it a second time. Do you know why Jesus does that? I understand why he does, because he knew that people are hard-headed. We wouldn't get it the first time that he would say it. So Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he goes on, and after that, do you know what he does? He says, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Did you see that? There are not many roads that lead to heaven. Jesus Christ is the only way. You know when Jesus Christ makes that statement? Either Jesus Christ is who he said he is and his statement is true or Jesus Christ is a liar and we can't believe anything that he says in the word of God. It's either one or the other, isn't it true? Jesus Christ very clearly said, I am the way. Second, Jesus said, I am the truth. Jesus didn't come to simply tell us the truth about God or point us to the truth. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus Christ said, I am the truth. Jesus reveals to us God in the human flesh. Let me say this to you this morning. Never let anyone tell you that Jesus Christ didn't claim to be God. I mean, that's exactly what Jesus Christ does in this passage of Scripture. Listen to what he says here in verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, do you do know him and you have seen him. Jesus Christ is very clearly making the statement, if you have seen me, you have seen God in the human flesh. That's what Jesus Christ is saying. It is only modern day liberal theologians that have a difficulty understanding the word of God and what Jesus Christ said. Jesus Christ is very clear. I am the only way. I am the truth. And then he says this, I am the life. Author Pink, a great theologian, summed up this point the best. I want you to listen to his words carefully. 
The whole Bible bears witness to the fact that the natural man is spiritually lifeless. He walks according to the course of this world. He has no love for the things of God. The fear of God is not upon him, nor has he any concern for God's glory. Self is the center and the boundary of his existence. He is alive to the things of the world, but dead to heavenly things. The one who is out of Christ exists, but he has no spiritual life. When the prodigal son returned from a far country, the father said, This is my son. He was dead, but he is alive again. He was lost and he is found. Only Jesus Christ has the power to make dead things come alive. Only Jesus can do that. Do you remember the opening words of this gospel? John made this statement about Jesus Christ. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Now listen, don't miss this point. In him was life. There is only one that can impart spiritual life. And his name is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ clearly announced, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm convinced in the midst of the coronavirus scare, the most important question a person can ask themselves is this, do I have the assurance of my salvation? Do you know that you know that you know that Jesus Christ lives in your life? You see, the Bible clearly teaches us life is like a vapor is here today and it's gone tomorrow. You know, the older I get, I've come to realize something. This is what I've realized. Life is short. Life is just that quick. In a snap, you look up one day and it is gone. You see, the question that we really need to ask ourselves this morning is not what's going to happen to our economy, not whether our government can get it all under control, not whether they can provide the medical care that we need, not even whether we will have an economy next week. You see, the real question we need to ask ourselves this morning is this, do I have the assurance of my salvation? Because you see, in the end, that's the only thing that really matters is where I will spend 
eternity. Father God, we thank you for the truth of your word and the way your word speaks into our hearts and our lives. Father, we are very grateful for this passage of Scripture today. Just three simple assurances that you gave your apostles when it seemed as though the world was falling apart around them. The assurance that they could find comfort if they looked to you. The assurance that their future was secure. And the assurance that they had salvation if they trusted in you. Father God, as we come to this time of invitation, I pray that each person here this morning would stop and examine their lives, ask themselves the challenging question today, do I truly know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? At the end of the day, that's the most important question we will ever ask and we will ever answer. We give you this invitation, Lord, and pray that you would work in the hearts and the lives of the people today, guiding us to make the decision that we need to make. In Jesus' name, amen.